So today we bring to close uh, the sermon series we have been walking through uh, this Christmas season called Christmas Lights. And I want to make one little uh, change in your worship guide at the top of that of the notes, the sermon outline notes. Accidentally, inadvertently, last week's title was left. This, uh, this uh, is not lights out today, a spotlight. So if you want to change that real quick, you know. So, like I said, we've been working uh, through this sermon series. And we began with a sermon called uh, Nightlight. And it's all about the light at Christmas that came in sh to shine in the darkness. The next sermon was called Lights Out. And it all talked about the tragedy of our, of our propensity to choose darkness. That not only do we choose darkness, we were the darkness. We weren't in darkness. We were the darkness. We were death outside of the light of Christ. And we liked it. The Bible said we hate the light because it shows us shows the works, our works. So there's this night light that shines in the darkness. Who and what is the darkness? We were the darkness. We before Christ. Before we came to become followers of Christ, we were the darkness and the light shone in the darkness to us and revealed the truth. And that's what and then what happens after we follow become followers of Christ was last Sunday night's theme of the message was a light show happens. Jesus goes from saying, I am the light of the world to you are the light of the world. When you become a follower of Christ and you become a, in essence, Jesus, because we have we've been as more and more we give up our lives and it becomes more and more Jesus living his life through us. More and more our light shines. He says, you're the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You don't put your light under a bushel, but you shine it. You shine. You're the light of the world. So we go, so the night, the light comes in the darkness, the night light. Then the, uh, well, we are the darkness and, we, and the lights are out. And when we follow Christ, then the light show begins and all of us become the Jesus light shining. And today we finish this sermon series with spotlight. We're going to be in that same book, same book, the Gospel of John. John talks about John the Baptist. So there's a lot of John going on here. So John the disciple in John's gospel talks about John the Baptist. And we're going to be talking about that in just a few minutes. Um, I just want to share with you a bit of my testimony. And uh, this sort of led me to this place where I am in ministry as a, as a follower of Christ now. Um, I, I grew up in a Christian home, and I went to church all the time. I went to the same church all the time. As often as the doors were open, that's where I was. I remember being in the nursery at this church in northeast Alabama, just north, well, northeast of Birmingham in Alabama. 
and I grew up in this church, went to this church all the way through college. I went to the same church. I met my sweetheart and fell in love, and we got married, and were married in that church. I, I sang Kurt, Stephen Curtis Chapman to her at our wedding at that church. I've got video proof, video evidence of that. But grew up in that church, then went off the, uh, then went off the seminary. It's the first time I uh, was not a part of that church. But, I, but see, here's the thing. As wonderful as that sounds, I succumbed to a cultural Christianity. That it was who, it wasn't so much who I was as it was what I did. Let me say that again. Going to church, being a Christian, wasn't so much who I was as it was what I did. And I was pretty good at it. I have this kind of personality that's big and inviting and come join, be a part. Let's go to the party. I don't need to know the details. Let's just have the party. I have a vision for a party. Somebody make it happen. And I'll be the first one there. That's just this kind of personality I have. And, and it's kind of the look, outlook I have on life. And, um, and if you know my wife, you understand why we're such a good match. Because she's not like that. She's more of the true north. She's more of, okay, let's balance the checkbook. <laughs> All right, let's. Let's have a plan. You know, if we're, going, if, we're going to, if we're going to invite all these people over for dinner, maybe we should buy some food. You know, it's that kind of, you know, it's very good. She's very, we're very good together in, in that regard. But um, I have this big personality, and so I was attracted. I believe 100% that God wants me to be in the ministry. In, a, in some capacity, in uh, my capacity right now is at First Baptist Church, and I hope it is forever, at First Baptist Church as the Minister of Spiritual Development. That's where I am. I believe that with all my heart. But I, I believe God was calling me to the ministry, but what attracted, listen, what attracted me to the ministry was not getting to getting to be a purveyor of the gospel that had so changed my life, it was the attention that I was going to get. I'm just, hey, if I, I'm sorry, I should have warned you earlier. I'm going to be intensely personal today. I just think you need to hear my story. I was attracted to, what, of the, to the attention that I was going to get. I made my ministry about me. I, I, oh man, it was all about the big thing. And it was about drawing a crowd. It was about, in, in church terms, it's about nickels and noses. All about numbers. People in the chairs and the offering. So we could do the next big thing. Does that make sense? That's what it was for me. And I had to change. 
My ministry was only going to be as effective as those that I could woo. You see, it was all about me. The emphasis was on me and the event that I did. I was planning. I may seem like this fun-loving sort of guy, but I'm telling you, I have control issues. I have control issues. And what fed my control issues was the gospel. What I allowed to feed. I used my ministry. I used the gospel as a way to control people. Wow. I bet you've never heard a pastor talk about himself this way. But I used it. It made me feel good to lead someone to Christ because they would say, thank you, Derek, for leading me to Christ. Not thank God I've been saved. You see the difference? I've fed on that. And my ministry grew. We were able to do big things in the churches where I served. Started new ministries from the ground. As the ministry grew, because of, the, because of my efforts and the ministry grew, new staff positions were created. And new people were hired. Unfortunately, the people were hired were, hired, were not disciples of Jesus Christ. They were disciples of Derek Hartley. And that's where I was. I needed humbling. I needed it. So God let me go pastor a church. <laughs> he let me go from student ministry, and college ministry, and missions ministry. He let me go pastor a church. And did I say I needed humbling? I needed humbling. And God obliged. He obliged it wasn't, you know, there, I don't want to paint a horrible picture of myself because my wife will tell me later, you're just mean to yourself. But because there were, I also, I, there was always this struggle, this pendulum swinging about making it about me, making it about God, making it about me, making it about God. I had to come to a place where I understood that the gospel that I was peddling to others was for me as well. The same grace and mercy I called people to come to was for me as well. That there, that God, that God saw me in a certain way. He saw me with compassion and He saw me with, a, with love and he, and he came and lived on this planet and died. And that salvation he provided through his death was for me. And I didn't have to be perfect. And it didn't depend on my works. But it depended on the work that he already did at the cross. And when I began to see myself, allow myself to see me the way God saw me, 
then I was able to see others, better able to see others the way God saw them. With compassion and with love and not to be manipulated and manufactured and molded into what I felt like they needed to be. You see? And see, first the process was I saw myself the way God saw me. Then I could see others the way God saw them. Right? And here's the beautiful thing for me was that I began possibility that others might see me the way God sees me with grace and mercy. Oh, now there's a place. There's a place from where to, from, to do ministry. Not motivated by trying to make my, a name for myself. But motivated by pointing others to Jesus. My ministry wasn't that way for so long. It was completely opposite of John the Baptist, who we're going to focus on today. John the Baptist existed to put the spotlight on Jesus. And with God's help, living under His grace and mercy, I want my ministry, I want my life to point people to Jesus. Not to me, but to Jesus. Read with me, if you will, in the book of John, the Gospel of John. John chapter 1. We're going to go over a few verses together. And these are all about John the Baptist. Look at John chapter 1, verse 5 through 8. This, and I'm going to read to you from the English Standard Version. And I have the scripture on the screen if, um, if you're... Uh, if your iPhone or your Android has gone dead, forgot to charge it, you can't pull it up on your app. Or, or if you're old school and you've got your Bible, your copy of God's Word, oh, I brought it, but you've got the lights too dark in here and I can't see it. If that's the case, then we've got it on the screen. All right, here we go. John chapter 1, verse 5 through 8. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. This is Jesus. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, this is John the Baptist, not John, the author of this gospel. Okay? John writing about John. That's a little confusing. But here we are. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Now, look at uh, verse 15 through 23. He says, John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth 
came through Jesus Christ. Gosh, there's so much right there. There's so much. I, oh my goodness. My, my ministry, my life as a follower of Christ was all about the law and keeping the law and, control, and making sure I do the right things in order to control people. And let me tell you, not only was I trying to control people by the way I lived, I was also trying to control God. If I check these boxes... If I do these things, if I'm a really good minister, if I love my wife, if I have a quiet time, if I do things with my kids, if I check all these boxes, then God, you'll bless me. You're my divine rabbit's foot. You're my heavenly four-leaf clover. I just checked these boxes. Sounds a lot like the older son in the parable of the prodigal son. That's who I was. But Jesus gave us the grace. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. Jesus has made Him known. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask Him, who are you? You understood. You understand. John the Baptist was out in the wilderness. And I've been to the wilderness in the Holy Land. And it is, when you, we think of wilderness, we think of trees. And maybe during the wintertime, it's snowy. And it's all this. And it's a mountain. And, you can't, and it's not in the Holy Land. It is desolate. I'm talking about there's nothing. And how there's water flowing through there. It's because it's God's place and he makes it happen. But he was out in this wilderness. There's nothing out there. He's... And people were coming out to him in droves to hear his message. And his message was this, and it never, ever deviated. It was repent. Because Jesus is coming. That's my paraphrase. Repent. Jesus is coming. And this is so they came out, the Jews, the religious leaders, the church people had to go out and see what are you, who, what, what, what is, what, who are you? This, and you know, had it been Derek Hartley, I would have said, I am God's chosen dude out here to tell you that you better love Jesus. John the Baptist, very different. He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, well then, are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Well, are you the prophet? He answered, no. So they said, well, who are you? Why are these people coming out here? Why are, what's the big deal about you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about ourselves? Listen to what John the Baptist says. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah said. Later, as John the Baptist, as Jesus, you know, Jesus came to John the Baptist in the wilderness and he baptized Jesus. And that's when the Holy Spirit came down and God spoke. And said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. You remember? And Jesus' ministry began. And Jesus became, oh, just 
rock star popular. And all disciples were going and leaving John's ministry and whatever to go to follow Jesus. And when John the Baptist was questioned about that, this is what he said in John chapter 3, verse 30. This is what John said. He must increase, but I must decrease. There is a time in my ministry. Oh, I would have been frightened to say such. I need to be popular. I need to be the the best thing. I need to be the one that people come in here because I need that. I I, I need those accolades. I, I need to make a living. And if people aren't coming, if there aren't nickels and noses, then I'm going to lose my job. And how am I going to put my kids through college? And how am I going to do this and provide for my family? I, 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 I. Man, four o'clock this morning, my eyes just opened. Worried about greeters. Worried about who's going to do the fellowship time. Worried about FBU. Worried about all these wonderful things that I feel like I've got to figure out. And I've got to find. I just got up after wallowing there for a while. Just got up and started praying. It's yours, God. It's all yours. It's all yours. It's so easy to slip back into that. Thinking that I've got to take care of. I have to increase so Jesus can increase. That's not true. John the Baptist said it. He must increase. And I must decrease. So here's the big question. Here's the big question for us as we enter in to the last days of, this, of 2019 and into 2020. How do we follow Jesus in such a way that puts the spotlight on Him and not on us? How do we do that? Thought number one. Here's where you start filling in your blanks. Thought number one. To put the spotlight on Jesus, you have to know Him. You have to know Him. Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30 says this. Come to me who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. He doesn't say come to me who labor and heavy laden. I'll give you more to do. He says I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. You understand this is Jesus speaking, right? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is freedom. This is liberating for those of us who seek to control with the gospel. Who seek to control with the good news. That's so pharisaical. It's what the Pharisees were doing. They had all these extra laws that they'd added. and, And it was a yoke that was a burden that was too much to bear. And Jesus came and said, my yoke is different. My teaching is different. 
I have a different yoke, a different teaching. It, it, it's an easy and liberating because it was focused on who Jesus was rather than on who the follower was trying to be. That's the way, that's the radical way of life that Jesus offered to those when he was on earth. And it is the radical way of life that Jesus is calling us to now at First Baptist Church. Christians all over the planet. He's calling us to that. So how do you get to know Jesus? How do you get to know him this way? It's discipleship. It's so much more than becoming a convert. It's so much more than being a church member. It's being a disciple. In this same gospel, John's gospel, he records Jesus said, the abide phrases. It all begins with an abiding in Christ. You must find your Essence for living, for being in Jesus Christ. My reason for getting up out of the bed every morning is to go and spend time with Jesus. There is one appointment. There is one appointment that I will never break. A standing appointment. With Jesus. Every morning. Before my house gets up. Other than the, the bulldog and the basset hound. I am in my recliner with my cup of coffee. And my Lord. I refuse. To begin my day. Without my Savior. It begins with that. We must find our essence for being in the life of Jesus Christ. You get a taste of that and you want more. You want more and more and more of His Word. And the more you're in His Word, the more you hear, I love you, I came for you, my grace is for you, my mercy is for you. It compels you to want to say back to Him, I love you, Jesus. Your love compels me to do everything that I do. Changes the way you pray. It changes the way you worship. Because I'm not here to be seen or be heard, but I'm here to make much of the one who created me that saved me. When we have that relationship right, that vertical relationship with God correct, it changes our relationship with the world, first with other believers. We will be in stubborn fellowship with other believers. We will hold one another accountable to love Jesus that way. He will season our conversations, 
our thoughts and our motivations. We will celebrate with other believers. And we will sit with them in the mud when they hurt. We won't leave them out in the cold to figure it out on their own. We will run to those who hurt. To the sick. To the confused. We will run to them. Because it's not about us, it's about Him. And it changes the way we relate to the world. We will go and bear fruit in the world. To a lost world that's seeking, searching. We'll go and bear the fruit of the Spirit. We will go, live, we will go bear love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We will go bear that in the world. And lead others to Christ. That is being a disciple. So, to put the spotlight on Jesus, you have to know Him. You have to know Him. And that comes from discipleship. And thought number two, to put the spotlight on Jesus, you have to be like Him. Look at Philippians 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 5 through 8. Have this mind among yourselves. This is Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. Which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. However, he made himself nothing taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. To put the spotlight on Jesus, we've got to be like Jesus. And this is what Jesus did. This is how he lived. This gives us an insight of how Jesus is calling us to live. You know, no one took Jesus' life. He laid it down willingly. Do you see that progression of events in those verses? Jesus existed in eternity. Jesus exists, had been, always been with God in heaven. And then he chose to leave God, his equal, to come and provide redemption for all mankind. Each step along the way, he sacrificed and, he took, and it took him deeper into sort of this downward mobility. Jesus decreased so that the gospel would increase. Do you see that? In so doing, he gave up his own life. You know, what we're constantly looking for a way we can move up and where we can move out into the front of the pack. I was constantly looking for the way I can make a name for myself. How can, um, um, how can the Alabama Baptists or the Tennessee Baptists or the Georgia Baptists, how, how can I draw attention to me so, so my ministry can get highlighted in publications? 
uh, how can the lo- how, what can I do to get the attention of the local newspaper so that we'll be in the paper or I can be on a website or how can I get published or maybe, maybe I need to get more education so I can be that minister with that PhD. You know, how can I, how can I? And that's not what Jesus did. He made himself a servant. The Son of God. John the Baptist understood this downward mobility. This, I must decrease and he must increase idea. And this takes big change in us. Big change. Especially in our Western culture. We know we tend to live our lives as if we're the center of all things. That we're a big, we're a big person in a little bitty world. That's what was happening to me. I wanted to be a big fish in a little pond. Maybe yours doesn't look like that. Maybe you're quiet. But it's still all about you. Maybe you don't want attention on you. But it's still all about you. Don't ask me to go outside my comfort zone. Don't ask, me, don't ask me to do anything that might draw attention to myself. Because that's not who I am. And so I will avoid doing the will of God. Because I'm afraid I might be asked to go outside of my comfort zone. What we learn by living like Jesus is that he considered others the center of the world. And he knew how big the world was. He held all that was huge in his very hands. And at the same time, he was intimate with his creation. Nothing went unnoticed to Jesus. He felt the woman with the hemorrhage as she brushed by him in this massive Rush of people. And Jesus said, who touched me? And the disciples like, oh, Jesus, you're just goofing. We mean who touched you? Look at all these people. No, somebody touched me. He also saw the crowds who came to hear him and he <clears throat> teach. And he was moved with compassion because he knew that they were like sheep without a shepherd. He was... He was as apt, he was as apt to, to feed thousands of people miraculously as he was to sit down and have a drink of water with an outcast Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. He called his disciples to come follow him one by one. At the same time, he held the world in his hands. He died on the cross for the sins of all people, of all time. But while he was dying, he had a conversation with the thief next to him and offered him salvation. Jesus came demonstrating that it is not at all, all about us. This isn't our little world, but rather we are citizens of Jesus Giant, immeasurable kingdom. 
You know, when Jesus, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish, but, not, but, but would have eternal life. That's true, he loves, me, but I'm, he loves me and He loves us, but we're not the center. We're not the main attraction. He loves the whole world. He loves me, and he, but He loves people who aren't like me, who don't think like me. Who don't act like me. Who can't be controlled by me. He loves street gangs. He loves strippers. He loves people with AIDS. He loves Muslims. He loves them. He loves them. He died for them. He loves those who protest. Who say, who say the vilest things about Jesus. He loves those who hold signs and say, boy, this world would be different if Mary would have had an abortion. Those people who say the vilest things, Jesus loves. He has compassion for them. Not just me. He's concerned with the genocide in the Sudan. He pays attention to every conflict and every battle. His heart breaks for those who are beheaded from the name of Christ. And he loves the ones who do the beheading. He died for them. This is what he calls us to. He pays attention to all. Yet in two rare moments does he pull back the veneer and let me see with his eyes because I can't handle it because I'm trying to make it all about me he cares about you and me even in our pettiest concerns our first world problems he invites us to, to dream of peace on earth and goodwill toward all men. He invites us to join in His prayer where He says, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To live as Jesus lived is to pray as Jesus prayed. That His kingdom would come on earth and in my life and in my environment and in my experience and in my purpose as it is in heaven. This is what he calls us to. So we have to. If the spot, to put the spotlight on Jesus. We have to know him. We have to be like him. And we have to go like him. Matthew 28. 19 through 20 says this. Go therefore. And it's just Jesus. He's done. His ministry's done. He's risen from the dead. And he spent 40 days among the people. And his, after he's risen from the dead. And now he's being, going back into heaven. And he says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, listen. Behold. 
when, you, when doing this is scary, when doing this feels like you're carrying a yoke that's too hard, when doing this causes ridicule, when doing this may make you lose your job, when doing this may get you cast out of your family, when doing this may cost you your life, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What do you get by putting the spotlight on Jesus? You get Jesus. When we come to know Jesus, it's pure joy because we've got the focus put on Him. Spotlight put on Him. We get up in the morning thinking, how can I, how can I go deeper in this relationship? With this one who's loved me so. This one who sees me exactly as I am. Loves me. Refuses to leave me that way. But wants to make me more and more like himself. Like John the Baptist. I must decrease. He must increase. Somehow, over time, we feel like though we've got to supplement our relationship with other things. You know, things that really don't have to do with Jesus. Things we think we need because on some level we're afraid that a time will come when Jesus won't be enough. And we'll need those other things to support us. We worry about our retirement. We worry about our kids' education funds. We worry about our rainy day fund. We worry about are we going to have enough to go on our third vacation this year. We worry about things that don't have anything to do with Jesus. When he just, I just read to you what he said as he was leaving to go to heaven. I am with you always. Your retirement fund not, might not be what you want it to be. Your savings account may not be what you want it to be. Your car may not be what you want it to be. But let me tell you, when you're a follower of Christ, You've got everything you need because Jesus said, I am with you. It's the Jesus way. It's a simple way, but not for simplicity's sake. It's simplicity for the sole purpose of rediscovering the Jesus way of life. It's about downsizing so you have less to worry about. And you have more to give. We had a farm in Tennessee. We had pigs and chickens and dogs. We had a petting zoo. And trying to go out of town was nuts. I mean, it's you might get somebody to come feed your dogs, but your pigs. One day, Leanne and I just looked at each other and said, we don't have this. It has us. If we didn't have this, 
do so much more. So we found a pig sanctuary. And they're living the lot high on the hog. <laughs> See what I did there? It's saying no to religion in order to say yes to Jesus. It's about coming to know Him through the lenses of the gospel and the presence of His Holy Spirit. It's about a journey of friendship with the Creator of the universe. It's about living life to the maximum by living minimally. Another pair of pants. It's about giving up to ultimately go up. It's about laying down in order to be lifted up. It's about becoming last. Just to find yourself being first. It's about decreasing in order that He may increase. Put the spotlight on Jesus. You've got to know Him. You've got to be like Him. You've got to go like Him. Knowing, being, going. It's my invitation today to those of you who are followers of Christ. How are you going to put the spotlight on Jesus in 2020? What do you need to hand over? Where do you must, where must you decrease? What is it? What wakes you up at 4 a.m.? What is it? Put the spotlight there on Christ. Give it to Jesus. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Christ, I'm inviting you to begin your journey with Him today. It's simple, but not simplistic. It's this. You admit, just admit what God already knows about you, that you're not perfect. And you've committed sin. The Bible calls it sin. In our society, we don't like to use such harsh terms. We say mistakes. Errors in judgment. The Bible calls it sin. If you've ever done one selfish thing, the Bible says that separates you from God. Just admit that. Then believe the answer to that problem is Jesus. Like I quoted earlier from this same chapter, John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you admit what God already knows about you. You believe Jesus says who He said He is and He did what He said He did. And then you trust. You trust Jesus with the rest of your life, such as it is.
you don't have to don't clean don't think you've got to clean yourself up it's not your job your job is to trust and to love and then God does the cleaning don't lessen what Jesus did at the cross thinking you've got to clean something up he's the one put the spotlight on Jesus admit, believe, and trust today that's our invitation you come you come if the Lord is leading you to prayer come to our altar if you would like me to pray with you I'm here you come to me let's stand together